I'm kind of picking up. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll just cut okay. that out. We'll, we'll cut that roommates, out. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that wouldn't happen in uh, in in uh, Covington, right? <laughs> no, never. No, no. I see dead people. I was I was just gonna say that, like, obviously we need to do some introductions, but I. I feel like maybe Jacob and Tim, if you could kind of like lead the introduction here, because I guess the viewers will, will need some context as, or the listeners will need some context as well. So maybe we should just introduce on air. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can, we can go to start that. So um, Tim, I, I invited Tim on because Tim has a podcast called, well, Tim, Tim and I know each other <laughs> from college, right? We both went to, we both went to BYU Hawaii where Jace currently is. And that's that's where we met. We're both we were both in the peace building department, right? It's called intercultural peace building, which is the program that we were both involved with. Um, and then Tim, during like like you just said, Tim, during your your master's um, program, you started this this podcast called Pop Violence. And I'll, I'll let you kind of explain a little bit about about what that is. Yeah, right on. Um, and I didn't know that about Jace, so I hope that you're having a good time, man. That's uh, that's really fun. I, yeah, uh, I, I, I actually am, am just now starting um, – I'm minoring in peace building. So. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I hope that you enjoy that, you know, and, and it's a good field. And, yeah, I kind of took it and ran with it and um, ended up getting a master's degree that I just finished a couple months ago in Congrats. Uh, peace, peace building. Thank you. It was uh, – <laughs> was it was a little bit stressful, right? You know, like 2020 and all that uh, yeah. through graduate graduate level degree and through all yeah. that was quite stressful. But it was uh, it was definitely a good experience. I was at the Center for Justice and Peace Building, which is at Eastern Mennonite University. Nice, had a great experience there. And yeah, so I started Pop Violence. And I'll give as short as an introduction as I can. You know, I'm always willing to. I'm always over willing to like talk about my own podcast, probably for like all the wrong reasons, but um. <laughs> promote myself but um no i uh i i pop violence really grew out of like my own sort of desire to i i really fell in love through school um with sort of i don't even know what to call it but sort of like the the process and the exercise of exploring ideas and sort of intellectualizing and just really analyzing and observing the world and, and trying to think deeply about things. And I felt like obviously academia sort of has like a very, uh, you know, that's like, that's like the entire capacity of academia or it ought to be. Um, mm-hmm. But I always felt like there was, there was always this wall of like inaccessibility with academia. And I felt like I took on pop violence after sort of going through my master's degree and coming towards the end and kind of feeling like I wanted to continue to do that exercise of talking about ideas and exploring concepts and theories uh, and just ways of observing the world. But I wanted to do it in a way that was accessible and catchy and, and just felt like it, it felt like a normal conversation. It felt like something that, that was actually meaningful to like everybody or could be meaningful to everybody. And so I really wanted to take on pop culture um, and talk about ideas that are in and around the peace building sort of uh, school of thought. And so that's sort of what pop violence became. It was like, let's talk about violence. Let's talk about systemic violence and cultural violence and, and peace and conflict and, and justice and injustice. But let's talk about it through the mechanism of pop culture. And that kind of started off broadly pop culture. And I've really narrowed in on films. And so it's, it's basically a podcast 
film reviews that very deliberately interlace uh, conversations about violence, conflict, peace, and justice. Um, that would be sort of the the, the one liner I would I would pitch uh, for <laughs> pop violence. So, yeah, nice. it's it's That's been awesome. super fun. We got one season up, um, twelve episodes, cover all sorts of stuff. Star Wars is on there. Um, a little Marvel in there. There's some old '90s or some old '60s films, and yeah, kind of cover the gamut of uh, genres. And yeah, it's it's a really uh, it's a good time. So people should go check it out. Pop violence. Pur- Purple skull is my uh, my icon. So yeah, beautiful. Yeah, sweet. Definitely go check it out, everyone. <laughs> yeah, beautiful explanation. I I I sort of fell in love with the idea that I as soon as I heard that Tim was was doing this pop violence podcast, I was I was super stoked about it because I especially as I got into, you know, as I was doing my, my certificate in peace building, um, sort of found myself all the time watching as I watched movies, kind of analyzing them from that perspective of, of violence. And, and also as I was kind of, I was studying a lot of nonviolence in, in that time as well and kind of looking into them from, from that perspective. So I was super stoked to hear that Tim was doing this podcast, um, basically like talking about this thing that I was like super interested in analyzing in my own, like my own personal viewing. Uh, so it's been great. It, you know, it, it's, it's really a, a, a super fascinating um, listening experience to kind of hear, you know, we, we, there's millions and bajillions of podcasts about, about movies, you know, like ours, ours being one of them. Another <laughs> um, film podcast is just going to be white noise. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's really nothing, you know, I, I, as far as I know, no one's, no one's doing something like, like Tim has been doing with pop violence where, you know, narrowing in and honing in on that, that one kind of subject that there's a lot of fascinating routes to take with. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah fun thank you that's 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 those are all positive things so i appreciate that if i can break break through that white noise at some point in time i don't know i think it's it's pretty hard to do but uh you know oh yeah here we are yeah Yeah. well we we are stoked to hear your your thoughts on on the village and uh yeah i i mean like we we had i don't know if jacob mentioned but we we had a discussion previously on sort of I guess our like what what we've been doing with this podcast, our analysis of the village, and uh, but we we did not did not talk at all really too too much about the the violence or or peace building angle. I think it came up no, a yeah. tiny bit with the the reflections on like the Iraq War and at hmm. the time some of those uh, some of those themes that were coming into the film, but I, but didn't touch on it too much. So this will be a, a nice discussion. Yeah, I mean. I mean... I feel like I'm honestly kind of surprised that we didn't we didn't talk about violence more because I, I think it is kind of a, a core theme of the movie and like oh yeah that whole just I mean the the whole vi- like visual basis of the movie is in that that red being the bad color and like just avoiding violence at all costs and so I think that that's weirdly enough that wasn't something like that I connected fully while I was watching the movie I don't know I wasn't. I maybe wasn't the most active watcher when I was when I was watching it. I was kind of tired, but uh, I mean, I felt like I, we didn't. I felt like we didn't get enough violence, some, <laughs> like more dismemberings. I mean, it, and I, I was promised yeah. a horror movie and was left, uh, you know, uh, yeah, kind of scratching well, that, my head. I mean, that's like one of the big. That's like one of the big beefs that I think the audience had with the film, right? Is that yeah. it was like 
Yeah. It's like, what is this? Right. (laughs) Like, what are we doing with this film? Like it's a weird, you know, it's a fascinating film. And I mean, I, I think it's aged, like, I don't want to say it's aged really, really well, but it's aged really weirdly. Like that's like the best way I can say it. Like it's just age weird. I haven't watched it in forever, right? I wa- I think the last time I watched it, I was in high school. So it's probably been like at least probably around like 10 years or, or longer since I've seen this film. And it, it's aged really strange. And I think having a more keen eye, and you guys, I listened to I listened to like about half of your your podcast on the village. Cause I didn't want I didn't want to like I didn't want to like fully listen to it because I didn't want to have like everything that you guys already said because I kind of felt like that would influence maybe what I said to you. But I wanted to kind of get it a little bit of an idea of sort of what where the conversation was going. And I, I, I appreciate that you guys talked a lot about because I was really struck by the cinematography for sure. Um, but like most struck by the, the score, I think like I never I don't remember ever like watching it when I was in high school. I probably never would have thought of this in high school. But like the score is like really powerful, obviously. And you guys talked yeah. about that. Um, but I, I, I would kind of want to pose a question, you guys, I think that is sort of the the, the crux of, of what I kind of do in in pop violence. And, and I think might be interesting to kind of like start the conversation. And let me let me uh, let me like preface this with sort of. In terms of analysis, I've kind of break. I kind of try to break down um, when I present a film like to like a guest that comes on pod, uh, pop violence. Um, I try to break down like how we how we analyze any sort of violence that's in the film that's embedded in the film, and I like to think of it like in three ways. So we can think of violence in a film in an allegorical way, like like thinking of it as like okay, so this film is like a parable or like an allegory, and you can analogically sort of connect like certain characters or elements that are literally in the film to some sort of figurative uh you know thing that applies to the real world or applies to something broader um and then i think that you can look at a film and look at it like very literally and say like okay so this is the literal violence that's in the film and then i think there's also like a a very critical way you can look at films And, and i think and i call it critical i think that it's just sort of almost like a very normal thing now just to sort of criticize maybe things in the film um, from a lens of uh, like an intersectional lens or like a lens of just injustice broadly, like thinking about a film in terms of like, okay, so, you know, is this just like, a, is this from like a very white lens? Is this from a very male lens? Like sort of what's, who are the creators? You know, what sort of representation do we have in the film? Um, mm-hmm. So those are kind of the three ways I would suggest maybe to kind of like approach a film in terms of thinking about violence. And I think the question then becomes when we think about the village and especially like the parable side of it, the allegorical side of it, the question becomes like, so what, what is the violence that is exercised in the film? Like what, what, what violence is performed? And I, I would be curious to hear sort of what, what, what you guys would have to say, like what f- comes to mind, um, you know, I guess beside maybe, uh, the uh, the stabbing, yeah. <laughs> and some of the other sort of actiony scenes, or if you can even call them that. I think, yeah, I I I feel like there's there's kind of a, you know, as far as a broader definition of violence, there's obviously some some emotional uh, emotional violence, I'd say, and some, I guess I I I think of the near the beginning with with Kitty and and Lucius Joaquin Phoenix's character I, I think I think that there's an interesting an interesting conversation about like how that 
that deep, pretty intensely affects um, Kitty, like her her rejection uh, or Lucius' rejection of her. And, you know, we can maybe see, like, how that could have been handled better or how that could have yeah. um, that's been... a, That's an interesting question because that's i was gonna say jace i thought that was the funniest scene in the film when he's just like <laughs> staring blankly at her yeah uh, it's it totally really, it really, it's really yeah, funny it's, it's hilarious but also like what what's the lens of that because it because it that is you know it, it's devastating to her but we see it more from a humorous perspective and it yeah. sort of gets brushed over pretty quickly because she remarries she not remarries but marries marries someone else yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's that's like that's an interesting thing to explore. Like, I guess you could ask yourself whether or not that was, you know, that, that was an intentional act of, of like emotional pain that he, that he caused Kitty in, in that sense. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you had like what, what your guys' thoughts were, but like the first thing that jumped to my mind, if we're looking outside of the, outside of the like physical acts of violence that are in the village is maybe like the, the the sort of emotional manipulation of the elders as a whole to mm-hmm. you know the the essentially the village this this community that they've created is based off of an intentional lie that they have told um to <clears throat> the rest of the townspeople um and you know that obviously they're they're misleading them and in a sense also like they're like emotionally traumatizing them by, <laughs> yeah. by being actors as like these weird creatures. They're like pretending yeah. to be these weird creatures that can murder them at any point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which becomes a big part of the theme, right? Of, yeah. kind of creating boogeymen to uh-huh. keep this contained, isolated community. Oh yeah. And, and I think there's a, yeah. there's an interesting idea of like how, um, historically, like how, how often, those like fear fear tactics are used especially on on children like with mm-hmm. with like bedtime stories and stuff like keeping them yeah. in some violent mm-hmm. presence that will uh punish them for for whatever they're doing yeah yeah i think you guys are like nailing like i think especially like right there i think like in my in my podcast i i've like rarely i don't like maybe a couple times I've like picked the film that I've reviewed. I've kind of like tried to, you know, steer towards something my guest wants to talk about. But for my first episode I ever did on my podcast, I, I handpicked the film and it's one of my favorite films ever. And I, I'm perhaps, perhaps the, the, uh, the parallels become like clear, but my, one of my favorite films uh, that I did for my first podcast was the Truman show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Truman show, so but good. uh Kind of a goofy film, um, one that I think a lot of people like maybe remember from like their childhood, and they're just like, "What the hell? Like this is such a weird movie." And like, <laughs> but I absolutely love that film, and the reason I wanted to talk about it um, was for a lot of the same reasons why, when I was talking to Jacob, you know, last week or the week before, I was like, if I were to ever do a Shyamalan on pop violence, my first choice would be The Village, and I think it has to do with some of the shared elements between the two films. Um, and that is like this, and I think it's common in dystopian films and like, it, it, or in like stories in general, it's the idea of like some sort of, uh, mass deception, but also like the bubble. That's like the best way I can describe it is like, there's like the bubble element to it, right? Like Truman was in a bubble. 
you know, these people in the village are in a bubble, right? And mm -hmm. it's like yeah. this thing that is this apparatus that has been built and constructed around them. And, and it, it's all sort of maintained um, uh, in exactly the ways you guys were just talking about by that like emotional manipulation and traumatization. Um, and really, I think that like where, where that kind of brings us to, if we're really like kind of looking into it is a conversation about like what sort of role does fear play um, in like our larger society in terms of like large groups of people, large cultural movements, and also just like in like, for lack of a better term, like keeping people in line or just like sort of keeping people in certain lanes or certain spaces. Um, mm. And also just our construction of reality. Um, I think one of the like, so like you have like in the village, you get from the very beginning, like those first scenes and like the scenes that come to mind, obviously for me, are like the classroom scenes where like they're, they're like in the classroom teaching these kids and like what they're talking about is like, what do we have? Like, what are we like afraid of and why are we afraid of it? And why does it like, how is it going to limit you? Right. And it's an interesting form of violence. Like if you, if you interrogate that as like, okay, so this is an act of violence. How is it violent? And it's like, well, you know, you have these elders that are keeping these younger people, you know, multiple generations at this point um, in this contained world and this contained reality. Um, and they're doing it through fear. Um, obviously, the Truman Show is like the same thing, right? And we know that Truman was kept in his bubble through fear. You know, he had mm -hmm. he was traumatized by, uh, for, with a fear of water and there he's on an island. Right. He was traumatized with like a fear of traveling. Um, and, and so we have this same sort of thing coming up uh, with sort of a 19th century twist. And without, I guess, the uh, the uh, capitalist like sort of television element to it that yeah. we get in the Truman Show, which makes it very uh, fascinating. But you get this constructed reality and this reality that's constructed and maintained through fear. And I think mm -hmm. that that brings us to like a conversation that ought to be at the beginning of any conversation when we're when we sort of start to think about like violence on a broad scale and violent violence in like a nuanced way we start to like think about okay so i mean like it, it came up in like conversations in the last two years i think very much into like the, you know america's mainstream like we're talking about systemic racism like a lot more right mm -hmm. and so it's yeah. like what is what is systemic racism like how is how is there violence that's being done systemically and I think that if you look at like a case like the village, that there's there's a, that's a really interesting like place to sort of an arena to sort of have that conversation because it's now this like idea of like okay, so what is the violence the elders are doing? They're trying to, in their minds, protect you know these younger generations, keep them in a certain space um, that they see as more safe and that they have like you know you know it goes through all their traumas right towards the end. All the, all the direct violence that they've experienced. And that has sort of led them to wanting to contain themselves and future generations in like this certain bubble. And so, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. But that, to me, that's like the crux of, of sort of the violence in the movie. Oh, yeah. I, quick I quick was, thought. Yeah. No, go, Jess. Go, Jess. Sorry. I, I was thinking like – I was just thinking about how we've been with, with – uh, almost every Shyamalan movie we Jacob has kind of been um, I think the most 
I guess, has talked about this the most. So I don't want to like steal steal your thunder, Jacob. <laughs> no, but go ahead. There's a steal there's, away. There's kind of <laughs> there's kind of a um, a common thread in in Shyamalan's movies of a a, a group realization, a, a mutual a mutual understanding, like where everyone at the same time comes together and, and finds something new, find, realizes the truth about something. And I think in a lot of ways, the, the way that I feel like the village kind of flips that around in, in the beginning. Um, Cause we have like this group of people that are actively working to conceal the truth and they're, they're actively uh, trying to do the opposite of that. Um, and That's really interesting to, to note that that, that, yeah. that what we've uh, what we I think have have termed Shyamalan moments. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're suppressing the Shyamalan moment. Shyamalan kind of gives, gives the village. <laughs> I would say, like up to this point, the village has struck me as feeling a lot different from any of his other movies um, that we've watched so far. Uh, like it it has like tonally and everything. It's kind of just its own strange beast, even though it's very Shyamalan in its own way. But uh, that, that's interesting to note that maybe part of that Jason is because it does flip on its head. Everything he's been creating so far, this revelation of truth, people discovering great things about themselves, themselves and making it. So a group of people are suppressing people from discovering things about themselves or their, yeah. their environment or situation. Jerem, yeah. before I, like before I touch on what I you were gonna say something, Jerem. I wanted to let you say whatever mm. you were gonna say. Oh, I, I think remember. it was almost posing. Yeah, trying to pick up the thread, but it was like posing a, another question. I think about who who is perpetrating violence and why, especially when it comes to this containment sense and this this control sense. And and the village does raise some some intriguing questions in that regard because it's a group of people who because their lives were out of control or they felt not in control of what was happening violence was coming in and 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 affecting them they chose to respond to that by being the ones who were in control which meant that everyone else was out of control but they chose Mm -hmm. to hold the control and that's i think like a that's like a really big societal question but like who decides what is control and who gets to yield that. And that's like, you could talk about that from, from like an imperialism perspective. You could talk about oh, that. Yeah. so many things, but that, that kind of is what they did. They basically said, okay, things are out of control. We are going to take control, which means that everyone else in our community who isn't in the know is still out of control, but, we like are deciding that our control is best. And I just think that's fascinating. So I, I know you're about to say something, Jacob, and I, no, you're good. I feel, I feel bad for jumping in again, but I, you guys, I, you guys are so cordial with each other. <laughs> you feel compelled to speak. <laughs> I, well, I just am, am thinking through, through, you know, peace building lens here. And I'm in the, the first peace building class right now. And we're talking and, and about what, what, 
Well, I was just going to say, you guys, I appreciate you bringing this in because most people don't know that I majored in warmongering. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> that you guys can all bring in the perfect perspective. <laughs> uh, sorry. Go no, round table we have. Diversity of perspectives here. <laughs> sorry, Chase. Here go. No, you're go good. Um, so in, in our in in this class, we're we're talking about um, the concept of of self deception right now, and classic. Uh, I think classic. that, of course. I, I, I think that there's there's. Um, you know, an angle there of, of like these these people experience tragedy and they're maybe deceiving themselves into believing that they're like believing that their perspective is the ultimate correct perspective and that they are benefiting these future generations by shielding them from everything because they feel safer being shielded from all of that um, personally. And so they're uh-huh. taking that that personal perspective and applying it every to everyone else. Yeah, totally. I'm going to, I'm going to run with that really quick. I'm sorry, Jacob. I got to run with this, <laughs> this point. That's a good point from, from Jake. <laughs> You're good, <laughs> but I'm just going to run with it really briefly. I think that like one of the best examples of that in terms of the uh, deception, like sort of angle of it is actually like the imagery of like the, the color red and its role in the movie. And I think that in the storyline, like, there's this there there's these obviously there's like a couple scenes where there's this like really strong emphasis like the people like go and they, they hide the color red right they like bury the berries or whatever and like they're like really afraid of it and like mm-hmm. there's like there's obviously there's the mythological side of it and we could talk we could talk you know all day about like the myth mythological side of this movie and maybe we'll get to that but i think in terms of the color red what we end up with is something that's very very common i would say when we're analyzing real conflicts or real real um, societies that are experiencing like a great degree of um, oppression or sort of systemic violence or injustice is you see this sort of um, the these signifiers or these um, these symbols of uh, dissent or defiance or something that is disruptive or harmful, like overtly harmful. Um, to sort of the status quo and the sort of the the bold or like full-hearted rejection of those symbols is something that becomes very romanticized and glorified and even something that is like becomes a in in and of itself sort of a badge of of being uh heroic or a badge of some type of honor um, and mm. I think that that's something that is depicted in the film really well, right? Is sort, and, and, sort of a counterculture movie. It's like a yeah, yeah. Well, you well you well way. you end up yeah, kind of. Well, you end up with this this interesting conversation around like, you know, where we get in these conundrums of like this deception and this dissonance um, that societies and large groups of people can fully embrace, where it's like instead of me being sort of say you know say that you know. If you could take even like the summer of 2020 as an example, I, I mean, I don't mean to keep going back to that, but I think that that's an interesting place to go is you could take that and say that like this, this strong rejection of any sort of like protest or any sort of dissent of the United States, right? Like even like the war that's going on right now in our education system against critical race theory, right? So you've got like this, that's something that maybe you guys are aware of, right? That, you know, if you're not aware of it, look it up, right? So the critical race theory, there's like (laughs) this huge hysteria around it right now in public education, 
Um, and the motive, the motivator for hating critical race theory is often patriotism, right? It's this symbol of like, I am like the most noble or the most interested, the most loving of the society. Therefore, I'm rejecting this particular thing. And I think it's very similar to what we see in the village, right? They are very hateful towards the color red, right? Because it's their, it's the symbol of the thing that's keeping, keeping their status quo, right? It's the thing that they fear. Um, mm -hmm. And we kind of see that same dynamic um, emerge in sort of real world situations. And something oh, I said right there interesting. triggered triggered my Siri. Sorry, not talking <laughs> <laughs> when that happens. Um, is so, yeah, Siri so, going to interrupt me too now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say her name. Don't say her name. I'm sorry, I have something I'd like to add. <laughs> <laughs> she um, must not be named, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I honestly think everything you guys said is perfect for whatever, you know, what, what I was kind of going towards. Um, you guys provided like the perfect exposition and background for, for kind of what I wanted to, to chat about uh, you know as as briefly as as you as you want it to be but as i'm as i'm want to do i always like to bring up you know the the connections uh, always always in film but especially as as i've been watching these Shyamalan movies like his his connections to society and his connections to america um as an indian american um you know his he has his own obviously unique perspectives on on several things um but specifically it seems like it's become fairly clear i mean we, we haven't talked about Lady in the Water yet, but like with, with The Village and Lady in the Water that are both post-9-11 post movies, the, there, are, there are sort of vibes of him sort of going against in some ways, <clears throat> excuse me, the general American, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like warmongering? Propensity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> warmongering, but I guess propensity, is that is that the word I'm looking yeah. for? Like mm -hmm. to, yeah. Propensity for... Um, uh, Jerem, you mentioned the word boogeyman, right? 9-11 mm -hmm. happened in America. They needed that. They needed, they needed someone to blame for that. Right. And it became this communal thing where, um, you know, especially Middle Eastern people became that, that boogeyman, you know, there, they, there was that loss of control that many Americans felt like, Oh my gosh, uh, like our, we lost to the two symbols of American, capitalism and wealth the twin towers were destroyed and it was outside of our control and we've lost this control and now we need someone to blame right we need we need this control back and and you know racism towards uh middle easterners and uh, people that people that are middle eastern became became sort of a way to uh find a boogeyman to find some some semblance of control for millions and millions of americans mm -hmm. um and i think that this movie this movie is like his first really real post nine eleven movie touches on that a lot. You know, there's this idea of not only don't let them in, you know, which was the tagline of the movie, like keeping, keep these people out, keep these, keep our borders, keep our borders secure, you know, all of that stuff. But then also the, the idea of this boogeyman, these people are going to, these people are going to get us. They're going to kill us. They're violent they're they're inhuman you know they're 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 less yeah. than human in in all of those senses but yeah <clears> that's kind of it, it, that's why what i wanted to say I, i'm glad you guys all said that first because i think it works really well you guys kind of backed all that up really well with what i was trying to what i've been what i've felt a lot with the village especially if we talked if we as we've talked about this more is it feels very much like Shyamalan was trying to 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 talk about you know how 
how uh, ineffective that American method of isolation um, and mm-hmm. that American method of, of even, you know, racism and hatred towards the outside uh, is, you know, because it, it didn't work. Violence still came into the community. Someone still got stabbed, you know, they, there still was. And, and even, even someone had to journey outside of the borders in order to, to find healing, you know, to, to heal mm-hmm. the, the main problem of, of the story. That's a really good point. Can, um, can I can, can yeah. I uh, introduce a wrinkle into that that I feel like fits into this theme and maybe like takes in a slightly different direction? But we were talking about um, maybe the more mythological side of it or the symbolic violence. So going back to the the two instances of on on screen violence that we see, uh, both revolve around one character, uh, Adrian Brody's character. Can yeah. anyone help me out with his name? Uh, Noah. 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 Thank you. So Noah, the stabbing scene that we talked about is, is like the most violent moment when Noah stabs Lucius. But then Noah is, is violently killed, uh, mm-hmm. un, you know, it, it, as he's posing as one of the, the beasts. And, uh, and Bryce Dallas Howard's character sort of lures him into a pit, falls to his death. Mm-hmm. And what they say was, is really fascinating. After that happens the village elders are like, Hey, your son has like basically made the ultimate sacrifice so that we can continue this experiment. And it kind of introduces some Christian theology, uh, that, hmm. that Noah kind of becomes like a, a savior figure who dies so that the rest hmm. of them can continue on, which is, I think so, uh, so interesting, especially because he is the one who introduced the violence into the village and that and that just becomes kind of a, a paradox, I guess. That uh, but then becomes a, a sacrificial, a sacrificial lamb in a way, so that the village can continue. Ooh, so fascinating that, idea. That's really really fascinating, and you know something that something that that kind of brings me to. I think like theologically, that's that's like, I mean, I would, I might even have to do another episode on the village with one of my Mennonite friends because I think that like interrogating the theological elements of it, especially with somebody who is from an Anabaptist background that, you know, has that obviously has that capacity to sort of, you know, have, has a belief that's tied in with their nonviolent Christian theology to, you know, live back in the 19th century. You know, I think that that's, there's a, there's a really fascinating um, connection there. And then you also get, you also get that imagery, right. Of the, the red on the doors. Yeah. So you, you end up with, yeah, and, and I think that's really fascinating. And I think one of the things that that brings me to is, I mean, a conversation about the Christian God, I think, has been long overdue. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for, for the world, right? Um, because I think, and not to be uh, that guy, but like, I think by and large, um, the Christian God is a very violent God, whether that's, whether that's direct violence or whether that is... Um, I guess like fear-based uh, manipulation or fear-based um, compulsion. And it all sort of, at the end of the day, in, in a lot of ways, sort of around a propensity or a threat of violence that's coming from God. And I think um, a lot of that comes from what I would call, or what are formally called in Christian theology circles, uh, atonement theories, 
where you have, mm. uh, and, and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the term, but like, it's basically the idea that there, there are different theoretical um, constructions that have been proposed over the centuries as to what were the actual mechanics of Jesus Christ's atonement that made it so that atonement had some salvific value to it. Like um, from a physics standpoint, almost. Well, yeah, yeah, you can, what, you can what, interrogate what actually... it, like, yeah, like physically or spiritually or um, like in terms of like justice, right? In terms of like, in, in terms of a lot of things, right? And, and what was sort of landed on and what was his name? Oh, now I'm going to disappoint myself because I, I know the, the theolo theologian's name. He's from like the uh, Middle Ages. Um, I think his name is Anselm, but don't quote me on that. Landed on the the uh, the more the more violent atonement theory that we sort of practice or we sort of revolve around. I think, as an American Christian sort of mind, if we were I would if I were to generalize it, which is probably not the wisest thing to do, but if I were to generalize <laughs> the Christian mind, I would say that it's, it's at least in America, it's 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 definitely gravitated towards this particular atonement theory that would suggest that it was the violence that Christ absorbed that was going to be exercised on humanity, right? So that there's there's mm. this idea of justice, right? And that justice must be served for sins and that, that justice in some to some degree, whether it's isolationist or whether it's you know direct like pain and suffering and hell, but there's a there is a violence that was absorbed by Christ that was uh -huh. being exercised that was being exercised by the higher authority or the equal authority, however you want to interpret it, uh, that was the Father. And so I think that, that that touches on some really interesting stuff. And that Old Testament imagery of the blood oh, yeah. on the door is definitely like, I feel like the strongest imagery we have in the modern times for violent God, right? Mm. And a God, a God of bloodshed, right? And so that's, that's a really interesting place to, to, to bring the conversation. Um, and I don't want to like, just take the con I don't want to like hog the mic and go to the next thing. But one th other thing that, that, that your most recent comment made me think, um, uh, Jerem was something that's really fascinating about this film. And I think it actually carries over to, into some other, uh, Shyamalan films is the, um, the, the characters that disrupt, that are the instrumental in disrupting, um, the uh the facade you know disrupting um the grand deception of the village both the characters i would say that that are instrumental in disrupting it are noah and ivy right um one in sort of a a villain role and one in sort of a uh a hero role um mm -hmm. and i think there's there's some fluidity there but um they're both both of those characters are um divergent um in some way right where mm -hmm. Ivy is 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 blind, and mm -hmm. uh, Noah is is neurodivergent um, to some degree, to a degree to which we don't fully have a grasp on. Um, yeah. But I think that that's I think that's a really interesting point to interrogate as well, especially the blindness as a symbol. But I think both characters, the two characters that really uh, make the whole thing come crashing down, are two people that are not normative, right? They're not they're not walking the same normal world as everybody else. So I'm going to leave it yeah. at that. Sorry for sorry for the ramble. I, I think no, that's, that's a great point. That is a really fascinating concept to think about because, like, those two characters, like they were they were essentially they are the way that they are because of random genetic variants, right? 
mm-hmm. that's something that that these village elders can't control even if they wanted to and yeah. so there's you know there's there's kind of an idea there of like eventually like naturally there is always going to be some element of of uh chaos. disorder or chaos that's yeah. introduced no matter Murphy's how law. hard you what <laughs> Murphy's he said, law. "Oh yeah, <laughs> Murph, Murph. Uh, Murph. <laughs> but but yeah, like you can't you can't. There is no possible way to to um, control any population because na- naturally our our um, I guess nature nature betrays us at any at any <laughs> opportunity." That's, that's such a cool point. And uh, Jace, most people don't know this, but The Village is is actually a, a prequel to X-Men. So I'm glad they... <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, I do think X-Men is like maybe one of the perfect, uh, one of the perfect uh, movies or even just concepts Ooh. to talk about in terms oh. of violence. But I don't know if we want to... I don't know if we want to go into that. We'll it's a, do, it's we'll a, deep, that it's a deep rabbit yeah. to go down. <laughs> Leave that for another time. No, but that's a really cool point, Jace, that the, the chaos will reign. Well, I also that, – that whole aspect of looking at Noah as you know, simultaneously the bringer of violence to the community but also the – like this, this like atoning figure, like the person mm-hmm. – Tim, like you mentioned, this person that like absorbs the – absorbs the violence so that the community can go on you know living their their blissful life in a sense i think that's super fascinating and i feel like we could talk about that for like hours if we wanted to <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we need to bring some, some theologians in to <laughs> yeah, no, that. seriously. and also like two things really quick that i want to touch on number one i feel like this having this conversation and coming like thinking about these ideas further to me solidifies Shyamalan's power as a filmmaker and as a writer. Like you can talk as much, uh, you can talk as much crap as you want about Shyamalan and his, maybe his, his shortcomings as a, as a dialogue writer or like in his, in his like human writing in a sense. But he, he thinks so deeply and he cares so deeply about these concepts that he's creating um, and I think this this conversation has been such a testament to that, to the the amount of work and thought and passion that he puts into he puts into his films. Um, and so that's you know that's one mm-hmm. thing. That's the first thing I wanted to mention. The second thing, really quick, I I wanted Tim. We talked about this in the in our general sort of overview of the village, but all of us, the three of us, all were a little bit uncomfortable with the way that Noah that Shyamalan treated neurodivergence with Noah's oh, character. Yeah. And sort of the fact that he be, he he was sort of like a a villain, and he also like I don't know there there were there were several sort of concepts and, and ideas of of Noah's character that that we were a little bit uncomfortable with. Um, and I I would love to hear kind of your thoughts if you if you have any on on that aspect of violence, maybe from a from a directing and a writing standpoint, like mm-hmm. violence towards nerd the neurodivergent community. Um, or towards you know minorities in that sense. Yeah, I think that that's a really that's an important conversation to have that probably wasn't being had in 2004. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think definitely not. I think if you've ever seen the scary movie uh, a parody of this, uh, then you'll get the uh, a very clear sense of sort of where we were in the mid 2000s. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, you know, what's, what's uh, as a really brief side note in the Roger Ebert review of the village, I love Roger Ebert going back mm-hmm. and reading his old reviews is such a great experience. He was just a, a total great, but he actually refers to Noah as the village idiot in, in hmm. this, which, which is like fast, like, and, and, and like no analysis of kind of the stakes of that or anything. It just, like to further show kind of like wow. how that just wasn't a conversation mm. then. And it, yeah, anyway, no yeah, shade to Roger Ebert, you know, but just, it sh- kind of shows the, the w- w- collective mindset at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. I would say. And I think, and I think, you know, I want to tread lightly here. I think that this is a, like a cultural sore spot in some ways, really having a conversation about like artistic freedom and sort of the, the, uh, the capacity for, stories and art to like talk about like violence and to depict it but then also like criticizing it for what it how it perpetuates it right and there's there's a lot of blurred lines there i think and Mm -hmm. the reason i say that is because i have i think that i I, if i'm approaching any film i'm approaching it with like a a certain like a, a pretty high degree of privilege right um, to even like my own lens in sort of interpreting something like this. And I think that that's really important for me to acknowledge and to be aware of um, oh, yeah. as I'm thinking about us. this. Yeah. And so, but I, I, what, what really like where I landed at with this was, I, I do think it was like overall, like probably a less, like a very insensitive way to depict like a, a neurodivergent person. Like, I think that's like the best way I can really like articulate it. I would be interested to see someone like where somebody from that community would say, and it could probably give it a little bit more of a fleshed out um, uh, response. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think that something that I try to hold or at least see the nuance of um, is, is when I'm looking at a film is to try to think of the film. How do I say this? Like, I think that seeing Noah as almost like a villain or as like a, a I mean, like, it's weird because you can't really call him a villain. But he does, he does violent things. He does, like, the only directly violent things, really, um, yeah. in terms of, like, direct physical injurious harm. Um, mm. he's, the, he's the perpetuator of, like, most of it or all of it. And I think, I think it's, it'd be interesting to get into the writers' heads and to see if, like, why, why they made his character a neurodivergent in the first place. Like, what was, the, was there and what was the, the sort of mythological or just like the symbolic meaning behind that you know choice in terms of storyline because i think that there's like a good there's probably a good precedent to work off of in terms of understanding his character as an archetype of how people that are neurodivergent can be and have often been manipulated by um sort of inward facing communities or Mm. sort of backwards communities of previous centuries or even this century, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is basically like, you know, how much, how much are we, are we seeing uh, Noah as also a victim of, you know, the greater, like maybe he's the greatest victim of the violence of what they're trying to accomplish with their little community. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That, that their manipulation, their fear mongering, all the, all the apparatus that they've spent these years constructing, um, has directly and indirectly influenced this person who was born with a certain condition to behave in certain ways. 
Um, yeah. And I think that there is a collective responsibility there. Um, and so I think that For when sure. I watch a film, yeah, I kind of like, I try to think about also when I watch a film that has some of those like sensitive and or insensitive depictions, I try to think to myself like, okay, so I think this is wrong for ABC, but also is it meant to be wrong? Like, are we supposed to be seeing something that is sort of wrong because mm -hmm. it's showing, you know, characters that are doing things that are wrong. So yeah. I don't know. I think you're totally, totally hit the nail on the head there. I think that's like, it's, it's important to, to add that element of complexity to the com conversation. And I think it, it is interesting, like that, that idea of there being uh, like collective responsibility for that violence. Like it's, it's not really Noah who is at, at fault in any way because it, the, the potential is that if he hadn't been raised in the environment he was raised in, his, he would have had access to, you know, better, uh, better treatment um for i think joaquin his... phoenix lucius mentions this at one point he does. he's like we could get medicine for noah so he could concentrate yeah. and learn yeah he does he, yeah. he does oh well, yeah, you're right yeah it's and, and it's I also think, oh sorry think, go ahead jason yeah i i just think there there is like definitely like a, a more complex view of that that character than just like he is like an old an older depiction of of neurodivergence and and i think my my biggest issue with it was just that i i felt like um i felt like in that in that era it was pretty common to just have someone who's like generally uh seems neurodiver neurodivergent um like in some way like they just generally seem to have some some disability and it doesn't feel to me like there was a specific, there were specific traits assigned to uh, this character. And like, there was like, maybe not a lot of, feels like maybe there wasn't like research put into like a specific, a specific disability that he, he might have. Um, and it's more just like Adrian Brody was directed to act mm. just generally like disabled. disabled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and where does that where does that become stereotypical, right? And that, I think totally. that's where we get we run into problems. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that would I I would say that would be like the main issue with with that depiction of neurodivergence is that it 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 it, it leans into stereo like stereotypes in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I guess to kind of bring it back or maybe kind of close close that mm -hmm. door is I do I completely agree. I think it it is in many ways insensitive and and has issues. The you know Adrian Brody's depiction. Um, in Shyamalan's writing of of Noah's character, but I also am as as we've talked about this, am understanding. My opinion is probably is that it's very likely that Shyamalan's intent in writing Noah um, as neurodivergent was because was in writing him as the most innocent of the village. He he mm. was, and he's even mentioned as being innocent. Um, and something that I just thought of that's super interesting is he. You, there's never in I I don't remember a single scene where he shows where Noah's character sh or Noah himself shows any sort of fear of the monsters in the village. He's mm -hmm. always sort of in a sense like interested in the color red. He like he's like oh it's the bad color, but he almost like talks about it like like it's something funny or it's like very it's ca he's very cavalier about the whole thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Exactly. When, yeah. I mean and when he, he when he stabs 
Lucius, he's like he has blood all over his hands, and he's like laughing about like oh it's the bad like laughing yeah. about the fact that it's the bad yeah, he, color. He, he he he. So I think that brings it back to you know Shyamalan making an attempt to depict him as as like this you know this Christ like in a sense innocent figure um, because he show he does he does not show any fear of of the monsters um, or of the you know the boundaries in and of itself. In fact, we already we learn halfway through the movie that Noah has been venturing beyond the boundaries because I think it's Lucius's character discovers this little entrance that Noah has been going into the forest. He's um, been getting not, the berries. Yeah. And yeah. getting the berries yeah. and not worrying about, you know, he, he doesn't care. He's not scared because he, yeah. in a sense he knows, you know, that there isn't anything to be afraid of. I think that's really interesting. And I, that brings me, you guys are bringing me back to this theological question and, um, you know, just cut me off if I'm becoming too critical of like Christian America, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just I think it's really fascinating to to think about like when you when you when you just the way you just talked about Noah as like an innocent figure um, that sort of and then we and then we see the sort of the, the full arc is him like sort of paying the ultimate price. Right. You know, paying with his life and, um, you know, him being uh, uh, at certain times one of the only characters that has the color red on their physical body. Um, I think there's imagery there that d definitely does parallel like the I images of Christ and, and everything. And I think I, it sort of brings me to this question that I think is, is really pointed, but also, you know, I think it merits a lot of value in today's world. And is that is like, you know, you know, as Noah pays that price and maybe is this sort of sacrificial lamb element in, in the story, in order for this village to do what? To continue to live in their inward facing bubble that is a facade, right? Yeah. And I think that maybe we have to ask ourselves the question of like, if we're looking at the larger sort of American Christian like group, like are we, are, is, is there a similar, um, is there a similar way that Christ's, that Christ's role has been conceptualized? Um, as mm. <laughs> as doing that, fulfilling that same function, right? Oh, of like yeah. we're, we have this this savior, we have this um, these standards, we have this salvation uh, in 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 some very um, specific and narrow ways, and so therefore we can sort of we can recede back into this community, this particular way of living that is is not sort of aware or even it doesn't even connect with. Uh, the larger human family. Um, and I think that's a huge, I mean, in my opinion, I'll just say this in my opinion, I think that's a huge problem that we run into in, in, in Christian um, mindsets. A lot of the time, not all the time, obviously there's a lot of like socially motivated or like there's a lot of ways that it's, it, that becomes very expansive, but I think any sort of mechanism or, I mean, any violence can be taken and can be interpreted that way to make a group of people turn inward and turn, sort of away from embracing sort of the broader human family. And so I, yeah. I, don't know, I think that's an interesting uh, interpretation of the film. I think no, that's it's... very much what was on Sh Shyamalan's mind. Uh, mm, yeah, totally. Like the, uh, that idea of like, we're not insensitive. Like we Americans, we're not being insensitive or we're not, we're not hating. It's just, it's because of our religion that we need to secure the borders. It's because of, it's because of, there's a lot of that sense, you know, it's, it's to protect the American way of life. It's, it's to yeah. protect the, the Christian way of life that we shut our borders down, that we don't let these Muslims 
and mm-hmm. these you know these other people in that are threatening the American way the American way of life and the Christian American dream. Yeah. I think that's super. Like <laughs> this is I, I don't, we don't we don't really have the time for it, but that's that's an incredibly fascinating route to take as far as you know this this movie. And I, I actually yeah. think I I don't know if I I don't know where the rest of you are, but I think that's a great sort of thing to wrap up on in a sense. Like yeah. Uh, because it's a great brain tickler to to leave yeah. it is <laughs> yeah. it leave us to think on it is if i yeah. could if i could i don't want to like oh wait sorry go ahead no no no. go ahead you're good i was gonna say if you guys are wanting to wrap up my it's probably that time um i i did have like one quote from the movie i wanted to kind of like leave with you guys i guess it's sort sure. of like sort of yeah. my final thing um and and but i don't want if there was another thought with that previous line um uh-huh. i, I would no, want to welcome good. that Take us home here. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, I, I wanted to kind of, I feel like there's, there's definitely like a, there's potential to kind of like turn. I think that what I'd run into with pop violence is it quickly becomes like very pessimistic and negative, these sorts of conversations, right? It's like, <laughs> this is what's wrong with the world, right? But I think that like the same, like mirrored in all of these sort of analyses is, is also the, uh, the silver linings that, that sort of point us at, solutions resolutions and sort of ways of 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 piercing through um the way that society has constructed um you know systems or or realities that that are oppressive or or violent um and i think that this film also points to that um and one of the the exchanges that i want to point to um as a, a couple direct lines from the film is one of the uh, conversations between Lucius and Ivy where Lucius says to her, asks her, are you upset? You can't see. And Ivy says back to him, I see the world Lucius hunt, not as you see it. Um, Hmm. And I found that like really, really, I I feel like that's very central. um, If I was going to take a a line from this film and sort of say like, what is the line that really I think connects back to like peace building or like peacemaking at large, I would say it would be that line because at the heart of understanding and deconstructing any sort of violence or even conflict um, is, is moving towards as humans, um, the ability to understand and uh, deconstruct our own realities, right? That, 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 and, and, to, and to see that like there are other people in the world that, that have a reality or experience reality through a completely different lens than I do. And mm-hmm. that reality is not necessarily um, objective, right? That my reality, the reality as I see it, the world as I see it is not the objective reality of what the world is, that it's, it's the way I see it, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> moving towards sort of um, understanding and embracing the fact that, you know, there is, there's a multiplicity of, of, uh, an endless multiplicity of the ways that the world is seen. Um, and that in order to sometimes see through the fog of our reality or, or our society and the, the, and to see that, you know, our norms are constructed, that we have norms that are constructed that are not necessarily like primordial that they're, and, and they are oftentimes violent. Um, is the ability to sort of say like, okay, so how, what is the world like beyond the way that just I see it um, to deconstruct that reality a little bit. And I think that yeah. that's the beauty of the film in a lot of ways, if we're talking about it from like a violence perspective is the way it depicts Ivy 
as someone who is blind, who has a different, you know, physiologically has a different capacity for vision, but is able to perceive things in a different way. And that allows her to escape, you know, the, uh, the containment and escape sort of the, uh, the facade that has been constructed. And so I think that that's, to me, I feel like that's like the perfect landing place for this conversation about the village is thinking about like how reality can, and, and, and norms can construct, can be constructed for us and can, can normalize or um, perpetuate violence, but that there is, there is a human capacity. Um, and like, like Jay said earlier, it's, it's sort of the natural way, the chaos that will always sneak its way in. There's that human capacity to, to pierce through that. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's what I would sort of, I guess, land on. Yeah. Beautifully said. For sure. It's an awesome footnote. What, what, what <laughs> could be said? Yeah. There's uh, <laughs> nothing. I, I, a lot. I love that you pointed out. Yeah, there's, you there's, a lot, seeing, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot more to be said. I love that you pointed out seeing through the fog because there is a lot of fog in, in the village. It's one of the. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Maybe that's another image in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a great well, discussion. Thank you, Tim. Awesome. Yeah. Tim, thank you so much for, for coming on, for, for accepting the, the invitation. Uh, man, we got to have you on for more, more Shyamalan episodes. This was like, <laughs> this was one of def certainly one of our most fascinating dives and, and easily one of our most philosophical, I would say, uh, dives into, into a, a, a Shyamalan movie. Yeah. So, so that was, this was super exciting. And, and, uh, thanks for bringing your, your pop violence and your, you know, your, <laughs> your master's degree experience into uh Dude. into the conversation thank you master <laughs> thank you. tim <laughs> yeah, right. thank you guys thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it i love uh love a chance to collaborate and uh yeah i mean love a chance to talk talk about film you know it's really really fun so uh and obviously you guys uh you guys definitely have uh, have uh, to steal a line from one of you. You guys have uh, done done. You know, you've been able to tickle my brain a little bit as well. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> mutually beneficial. I think so. It was great. Yeah, thank good you. to hear. Yeah, definitely feel smarter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, to our unknown to our unknown number of listeners, certainly go and check out Pop Violence, the podcast. Um, Tim's Tim's podcast for for some more fascinating discussions like this. Uh, I don't know. if I don't know if there's a final plug you want to give Tim or any any final uh, final uh, welcoming thoughts, but that's uh, I think that's all we have really. No, I got nothing. That's I I feel like that. Uh, yeah, I feel like it, I've covered it. Uh, maybe uh, maybe my my last thing uh, that I need to say is uh, you know Jace, don't necessarily repeat everything I've said here today in your uh, peace building classes. <laughs> 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 might not all be welcome. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, I don't right. want to have I'm my diploma pulled. <laughs> yeah. They'll revoke it. They just they pull out your your bachelor's and it makes your master's come tumbling down. With all this terrible cascade. I, I wouldn't put it past the BYU's at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man! So I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep it from an anonymous source. <laughs> Oh, uh, my friend, I had I had someone come on and was talking to me. His name was I think his name was uh, Jim, Jim, <laughs> Jim, Jimothy, Jim, <laughs> Jim Bean. <laughs> uh, oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that. Yeah, thanks, Tim, and uh, I guess that's yeah, thank that's you. signing off for this special bonus episode of Shameless Shamlon. 
Yeah, and thanks, thank you guys for like like setting aside a whole episode for me. I feel like that was uh, that was very uh, you know, was, oh, not I want to say over the top. But that was that was uh, that was very thoughtful. So I appreciate that. Oh, for yeah. sure, we're so stoked to have you. Yeah, was, I'm sorry if great. I disrupted if I disrupted your guys' normal flow. Because what's next? Is it no, Lady we're, in the Water? We're actually right now going going to record our Lady in the Water episode. We're oh. we're pumping these out. We're just, <laughs> oh yeah, we're like a machine. Yeah, I, was like, I need to take I need to take like a little brain break before we jump to Lady in the Water. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs>